Your friends gather at Amazing Love. I invite you to pray with me. Let's ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, you are the one who made me. And you have created me to do good works, to please you. And right now, as part of your mission, you ascended into heaven and you've given us the great command to carry out your message and be your witnesses. I am your witness and your message carrier today. And I ask you to bless the preaching of the word. I understand you do the heavy lifting right now, but we need you, dear Lord. I believe we go through so much in this life that can get us down, that can depress us and get us kind of afraid of life. And and your word gives us peace. Your spirit gives us peace. So pour your spirit upon us as we hear your word. And use the best of this preacher so that people can see the best of you and how awesome Jesus the Savior is. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Went to a conference a couple years ago put on by Chick-fil-A and it was a leadership cast. Had some of the greatest leaders there giving their talks and inspirational notes. And I'll never forget a talk that was done by this gentleman. Let me bring him up. Roland Pryor. Roland Pryor is a Harvard grad. And right now he is researching um, why there is a gap between um, learning. A gap between those in minorities and, and lower socioeconomic classes and the rest of America. His research is intended to lessen that gap or maybe eliminate that gap. So that no matter where you are, what household you come from, or what neighborhood you come from, you can learn the same and be on the same level, have the same opportunities as everyone else. Well, he did research with the Harlem Children's Zone. The Harlem Children's Zone was on 60 Minutes a couple years back, and uh, Jeffrey Canada is leading the Promise Schools. And there, they're doing very well in a very tough neighborhood. There, in some cases, they have not only uh, lessened that gap, they've eliminated it in some sub- subjects all, altogether. Well, Roland Pryor wanted to figure out and boil down what got them to eliminate this learning gap and this performance gap in students. What were they doing that worked and could transcend no matter where you were? He found a couple things. First, he found that in general there was longer school time. These guys had uh, three weeks off in the summer, and some of us have three months. He also found that when there is a a lesser student-to-teacher ratio, that is in general a good thing. But what I picked up and what I want to talk about today um, is is the fact that they had the same standards, they had the same expectations, and they had a no-excuse expectation for every child. No excuses. That yes, you might have had a sad story, and yes, you might have had a tough day, but guess what? You are still expected to do the same kind of thing. I'm not sure what you think of that philosophy. I know we have some teachers in the area. I'm I'm not trying to say I'm the expert. But I would imagine you've probably heard this kind of mentality before. Maybe you've heard no excuses. In fact, maybe you used that in your household this past week. You told someone to do something. uh, Please don't say anything. No excuses when it's done. Then come talk to me, right? Happened to me in school. I remember we were in a class and we were supposed to critique one another as students. And people weren't playing nice. They were being really negative. And so the professor had this to say. He said, when you can't find something positive to say, find something positive to say. Do it. No excuses. Focus on the good. I bring this all up because I believe a no-excuse approach is going to be really beneficial for what we're talking about today. See, today we're talking about gratitude and a spirit of thanks and finding thanks in all situations. And, And that's tough. 
You've joined us in the midst of our series on treatment. Uh, the first week we focused on spiritual training. Um, some of you may have your Bibles here today. Uh, anyone bring their Bibles? You can raise them now. Use your Bibles. Use your Bibles. Uh, we focused on that first week and catch up online that we want you to be reading at least 10 minutes a day for 30 days. This is the power of God that can shape your life. You want a spiritual revival, read your Bible. That's simple. Um, it tracks so well. Last week, catch up online if you missed it, we talked about emotional strength. That in emotional strength, we should tie our emotions to the promises of God. And when we do that, boy, is there strength. Well, today is also about emotional strength. Today we're focusing again on how gratitude can so influence our emotions and so influence our day. Now, I wanted to share with you the importance of gratitude. Some of you might be skeptical, why should I listen or pay attention? What's the benefit? Let me share some research uh, statistics of how beneficial gratitude is. There is an author, Noelle Nelson, who wrote a book called The Power of Appreciation in Everyday Life. And she did some brain scans. She did some brain scans after 30 minutes of focusing on things she was thankful for. She then conducted a brain scan. And after that, she found that her brain was very healthy after focusing on the positive. A lot of brain activity, very good. Then she spent 30 minutes focusing on everything she was afraid of. Everything that freaked her out or made her sad or created doubt in her heart. And then they did the brain scan. Know what they found? The cerebellum had completely shut off to their findings. There was a great less activity going on in her brain because of what she was focusing on. There's another study done by Yale. Yale conducted a study over 2,000 veterans ages 60 through 96, and they wanted to learn how these people are aging well. The first thing they found for aging well is that they had a sense of purpose. The second thing that they found that helped people to age well, can you guess it? It was gratitude, a sense of thanks that helped them age well. All to say that I believe this, dear friends, in how God made us that your focus will affect your feeling. What you focus on will affect your mood for sure. That's how God built you. And if you focus on what you are thankful for, focus on positivity, you will lead a happier, healthier life overall. Now that's just physiological. Beyond that, we can say that beyond the physiological, this is also God's will for you. We confess together that God's will for us is to give thanks in all circumstances. Which leads me to the age-old question, is the glass half empty or half full? You ever hear that? I think in general a Christian is an optimist. That a Christian is going to try to focus on the positives and draw them out. Now it doesn't mean we're fake. It doesn't mean we can't cry out and say, God, I'm really hurting or, or please pray for me. It doesn't mean putting on a mask we can still be real. But I think a Christian will continue to try to find how God is working. This is God's will for us. Let's learn more about that as we turn to our lesson. Why don't we turn there now? We're in the book of Philippians. You can uh, open your Bibles or open the worship folders today. And uh, there you will see our words for us, the, uh, chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. I'll read there now. It says, Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe. As you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Simple words. Paul says, don't complain, don't argue. 
And in its place, later he would say in the book of Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Or give thanks in all circumstances. If we don't complain and focus on the thanks, we can shine like stars. And that's our goal. So let's hear more and consider God's word for us today. You know, it's amazing to me how naturally our kids can complain. Like in the Bloomer household, I never sat down with my child and gave him a 101 of how to complain. Never did that. And yet they are experts at times in finding the negative, right? They can pick out all the things that are wrong in a scenario and in an unfiltered manner because they're honest and innocent, right? Um, if you don't believe me, I have a brief video of a child who I believe has really picked up on negativity. Um, here's my, my proof point, um, this video. I don't want to go to the beach. Beach is too sandy. I want to play video games. The water's too cold. I want to stay home. It's too crowded. It's too hot outside. There's stingrays and loud seagulls and jellyfish and sand crabs and sharks. Don't want me to get eaten by a shark. I don't like sunscreen. I don't like the sun. I don't like swimming. I don't like the sand. I don't like the icky bathrooms. <sighs> I just want to stay home. What if I get a sunburn? What if I get stung by a jellyfish? What if I get seasick? What if I get sand in my mouth? What if I get disoriented? What if I drop my hot dog in the sand? What if I get lost? I hope you people know what you're doing. It's too hot. There's sand in my toes. There's sand in my swimsuit. There's sand in my hair. There's sand Sticking to my sunscreen. The sun is too bright. The water's too cold. I draw my hot dog in the sand. I knew this was gonna happen. Are you kidding me with this? I look ridiculous. Wait, what? We're going on already? We just got here. I don't want to go home. Home is boring. There's nothing to do there. Now I know that it's so far removed from our existence, right? And uh, we, again, can be really good at complaining. It reminds me of how sometimes parents respond to these situations. If you're going to complain, I'm going to give you... You got it. Something to complain about. And you look at Scripture, in the course of history, we did a whole thing on Moses this past summer. And whenever they could open their mouths, it seems that they were complaining. The children of Israel who were set free from slavery, um, whenever they are in Scripture, say, oh man, we're just here to die in the desert. Oh man, we have no food. We have no water. Then when God did provide, oh, we don't like the food. Ah, grumbling, grumbling, grumbling. And he wasn't pleased, right? Can we relate to this? I mean, we've looked at our kids, but can we look at our own hearts? We can get on tangents, can we? Where we're just finding the negative in everything of the day and just focusing on that and calling it out. Some of us might just do this monthly, some of us weekly, some of us daily, some of us every minute. It just depends on what wavelength we are at. And what should God do to us? What should God's response be? The giver of every good gift looks down on his children. He's trying to do his best giving us what's going on in this world. Give us good things. And what should his response be? A holy God should punish us. If you search Scripture, we understand that what we truly deserve if God treated us rightly is no good thing. 
We would deserve a full weight of punishment. We would deserve an eternity in hell because of what we do on a regular basis overlooking his goodness to us. But we're here because God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. We're here because what we deserve isn't what we got in Christ Jesus. And let's focus on that a little bit. Let's focus on what Christ has done for us a little bit today and just rally around him, can we? Um, I wanted to know, have you ever had um, accommodations that were so much better than your home that, that you just never wanted to leave? You ever been at a five-star hotel, four-star, three-star, I'm not sure what it is for you, a cruise? You ever been, you know, in the Caribbean and they're giving you all the food you can eat and it's just awesome? I want to tell you, the bloomers love going to hotels. Like, this is our vacation, and, and we love hotels. And I know it's different than business hotels. That's a whole thing. That's not fun. Business hotels, family hotels, vacation's different, right? Um, and when we go on vacation, I mean, j- just think of the hotel experience. Someone cleans up after me. I make a mess, and someone will come to my room and clean up my mess. That is awesome. There is a pool and a hot tub. That is awesome. That is not my norm. Sometimes there's a sauna. Sometimes it's on a beach. I like this. I can pick up a phone, ask for things that I want, and they will do it. In fact, the whole world stops. Like, everyone at the hotel, the Bloomer family wants a cheeseburger, and I have a whole staff making me a cheeseburger. And then 15 minutes later, I have another staff member whose only job it is to deliver my cheeseburger to my door. And it is amazing how quickly I become accustomed to a higher standard of living, right? doesn't take much at all until I go home. And going home feels like an ultimate demotion, doesn't it? Because when I get home, I make a mess, and guess what? It's still messy because no one else is cleaning it up. And if I pick up the phone and I want my spouse or my kids to do something for me, they don't react very nicely to, like, room service. Uh, And I wouldn't do that, but that'd be ridiculous, and they wouldn't appreciate that, right? It feels bad going from that scenario to home. Well, now look at our Savior Jesus. Jesus is the King of glory. And I'm going to bet that heaven might be a little bit better than even a five-star Jesus has angelic servants doing his bidding. He wants something. He has angels, and they have like almighty power. Not almighty, but they have a lot of power to do what he wants, right? Jesus' picture of heaven is a feast, so I'm sure the food is good, and I'm sure the beds are pretty nice. I'm not sure if they have sleep number or pillow top, but I'm sure he's doing pretty well there. And and that's where his existence was. And then Jesus says, I'm going to check out of that for the ultimate demotion. Come to earth. And it would have been bad enough if he just lived a regular human life. Now, he was fully human, and yet he was a man of suffering, and it says familiar with sorrows. His life culminated in the worst thing that we could imagine, the worst possible death, which was crucifixion. And he receives this ultimate emotion. These are the words of Philippians. The same chapter that we consider says, don't complain or don't grumble, also had Jesus' ultimate emotion. Look at what Jesus did for you and I. It says, Jesus being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, not just stay in heaven. Rather, he's going to make himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, ultimate domation, demotion, the king of glory is a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, and then death cross. My friends, because the Savior did that for you, you and I live in amazing freedom 
an amazing peace, an amazing forgiveness in, in a way that transcends even our understanding because we know and how awesome it is to free us. And Jesus who endured that ultimate emotion, He did it all without, He did it all without Never once. This isn't what I deserve. Come on. Never once. See, so see how hard it is for complain to his disciples. He does it without complaining. And so Jesus is your Savior, but he's also your example for today. And I want to just dwell on Jesus today because some of us live our lives and, and sometimes we ask this question, you know, what do I have to be thankful for? What do I have to actually pick out and how can I actually live a life of praise and thanks? And I think of the words of Psalm 136. And I think primarily, no matter what our day is like, we can focus on the fact that we have a God who loves us and has forgiven us and that His love is enduring forever. This can be your theme. You can wake up after a poor night of sleep. Maybe you were anxious and your mind was going, you didn't sleep so well. Or maybe you had a physical ailment that kept you up. And you can wake up tired and groggy and yet you can still say, you know what, I'm going to give thanks because I'm a forgiven and redeemed child of God and His love endures forever. I can wake up on a day of snow where I wish I had a snowmobile. And I can wake up on a day where my, my, I know my feet are going to be cold for the second week in a row. They, they haven't been warm in a really long time. And I'm going to reflect on all the vitamin D I'm missing here in winter and I'm going to be a little crabby sometimes, but I can still wake up and I can say, regardless of the bitter weather, I'm going to be thankful because I have a God who has loved me and forgiven me, and guess what? His love endures forever, even longer than winter. I can say it on the good days. When the Stanley Cup is won by the Blackhawks for like the third time in ten years, I can say it on those days. When, when a child is born, or when she says yes to the date, or when I get married, I can say, Jesus, I'm thankful for that, but I want you to know I'm primarily thankful that I'm loved by you, and I'm forgiven, and I know your love is going to endure forever. I can say in the midst of hard day. I can say on the most miserable days when all of my human senses say that there is hurt going on and it's tough. I can say that is true and this is reason. Guess what? I still have reason for things. Because I'm forgiven. I'm loved by God. And guess what? Even beyond this circumstance, my God's love is going to last forever. See, when we focus on Jesus, we have reason for thanks primarily every day that we live. Through the good and the bad, His love will be the repeating refrain in your life. It will never be taken away. His love will endure for you forever. This is awesome news, dear friends. And so I have an assignment for you. Our assignment, your new treatment, your new prescription, I invite you to take out your prescription cards what we're going to want to do and what I encourage you to do is to start a blessing or a thanks journal. This is the one that I have. I got one of those moleskin notebooks. I like something nice to write on. And you can use a legal pad. You can use a regular journal. And uh, why not record at least three things that we are thankful for on a regular basis? This, I think, will draw our attention that even on the hard days, we can pick out something that we were thankful for, that something good did happen. And, and I have three things that I'd like you to write down. I'll give you your number one, though. Why not every day wake up and as your first entry say, I am a forgiven 
and loved child of God. To write that down, to draw our focus primarily on the fact that I am a forgiven and loved child of God. That can be one of your three every day. And it'll focus your attention on the primary thing. See, we get caught up in the, not seeing the forest through the trees, you know. Life keeps going. We don't always remember the perspective we have in Christ, don't we? We get caught up in all the things we got to do. And we don't, re- we don't remember that the biggest piece of the puzzle is solved through Jesus. What if every day we wake up and we say, I am a forgiven and a loved child of God and everything else is really less than that, isn't it? When my eternity is solved, Consider that. Use a journal. Write down three things that you are thankful for. And dear friends, I believe this can be very, very positive. You know, Martin Luther, who we're named after, we have a Lutheran church, and not that Luther cared that we were called Lutheran. Luther was a representative of Jesus. But he knew the importance of focusing on the positive. And Luther often reflected on what we're going to have today on baptism. Luther said this about baptism, that there is no greater earthly comfort than baptism. Because what we know in baptism is that God showers grace upon us. Even as infants, when we can't decide, when we can't do anything good, when we're just helpless little children, God helps us, which is a picture of grace. And God brings us into his family through the washing of rebirth and renewal. And so to remember that we too have been baptized as we see the baptism of Finley today. And to rejoice that our lives begin and our lives end with God loving us. And that love endures forever. This is awesome news. What does it say the result will be when we live our lives like this? How is our witness going to be to the world? Look now at verse 15. Paul writes, Then you shine among them. Can you fill this in? You will shine among them like? Exactly. And Jesus said the same. Jesus said that you and I were the light of the world. And a light should be put on a stand for all to see. And people should look at us and our lives should be so attractive that they say, what's in them? What's, what's the key? What's the secret? Because they do life a bit differently and I like it. What we should be kind of reminds me of soda. Do we have any big soda drinkers here? Love soda. I got, I got a couple things of soda here. Um, who is a fan of Coke over Pepsi? I'm a Coke drinker. I grew up in Texas. Right. And uh, have you ever noticed that depending on the canister, uh, soda can taste differently? Like soda in a can can taste differently than soda in a bottle. That's especially true with Mountain Dew, another favorite of mine. Uh, soda at McDonald's can taste even different than that and even better. Why that is, I don't know. Um, well, someone explain to me why soda in a can can taste different. Does anyone know? Because aluminum, that can that it is in, and this is actually kind of gross to think about, aluminum can actually leach, which means that some of the aluminum from the can is leaching into our drink. Crazy to think about, right? That's a good thought. Have a soda in a can today. All right. <laughs> no one's going to touch it. <laughs> I remember going to a cooking presentation where they said, said the same thing about cookware, that if you have T-fowl or aluminum cookware, that that aluminum can actually leach into your food. All right? And so we wanted to use stainless steel or whatever, and, and that was health ways. Well, I bring this up all to say that just as aluminum will leach into um, that liquid, I believe this, and I'm taking some liberties with the English language here. I believe attitude leaches. 
not the scientific process, but, but I believe some of us gets absorbed into some of them. And we see this, don't we? Like, I'll have a child who's playing with another child. And, and, and they'll come back and they'll have different language or attitudes or different exposures that, that I know is because they're around a child. In a good way, I, I, I saw um, the new app at the Bloomer household was, was Nyan Cat. It's this cat that flies around and it's really crazy. You've got to feed them and play with them. It's really ridiculous, but it's a cat for Bella. And, and, and I learned that she learned about Nyan Cat. Why? She was around someone else who liked Nyan Cat. So we got the app. And it's at our home because... That attitude or that influence leached all the way to the Bloomer household. And that happens, doesn't it? That happens. And so you and I have that same quality. You and I, on a regular basis, whether you think about it or not, are leeching to others. Uh, my wife heard that on average we influence about 12 people a day. You consider where you are in a family, you consider when you drive, you consider at work, that on average you have influence over about 12 people a day. And I think God wants us to pause and to be very intentional. And so our prescription is to give some thought on how we can leech well to those around us. What they are absorbing, is it the positives? Are we breathing life into the lives of others by how we do life? Are we supporting them? Are we giving them an example? And albeit, none of us are going to do this perfectly. Are we, are we going to encourage those around us? Are we going to focus and, and show them what a positive attitude looks like? Dear friends, this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. You know, as we focus on emotional health, I'd be remiss not to mention also the other side, that those we hang around with then also leech on us. And so, um, so a, a caution is this, to choose your circles carefully. And sometimes it may be as simple as if someone is, uh, again, negative, that, that you get away from that situation. Because negativity and complaining surely leeches, doesn't it? You ever been in a situation where um, everyone is pretty even keel or positive and it takes one downer to just bring the whole group down? <laughs> you ever been in a family like that? One, one person's upset, right? And so we want to be careful. Maybe it's removing ourselves from some conversations. Maybe for some of us, it is analyzing who we choose to keep around us. This, this might be especially true for teens. If you have people who aren't influencing you in a positive way, they're not breathing life into you, they, they lead you to do what is wrong rather than what is right, you might need to reevaluate, is this an essential circle in my life? Are they being helpful to me right now? Or do I need to find maybe a new circle as well? So dear friends, consider these things. Consider a blessing journal. Because I believe God has given us reasons to be thanks, give thanks every day of our life. It can start with his forgiveness and go on from there. May the Spirit so work inside of you so that you can see the daily and regular blessings that are yours through our Heavenly Father. Peace.